Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I'm joined by fellow editor Catherine Rubino. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Joe. How about yourself? Excellent. I'm trying to be as restrained and like awkwardly NPR-y as possible. I mean, it, it's weird. It yeah, is very no, strange. It is. I it mean, is that's why strange. I don't. It's also just me. not like your personality, right? No, it's true. I mean, I, I'm I'm a little slower today. I attempted to keep up with the uh... devastating vice presidential drinking game that I created, which again. I attempted to soften after the debacle that was the first one, and uh, it only turned work. out worse. Did not I actually work. think it may have been worse. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure every single thing on your list was hit, I think. Oh, God, yes. It, pretty it much just everything. kept happening. It's pretty much everything. I was so sure that some of those were not going to happen. I mean, Tupac didn't show up. That was one I guess of there's them, that. But, yeah. I guess there's that. But then again, we don't know. They didn't pants the audience very much. So It's true. It's true. That's just what they want you to believe. Anywho. Life after death. Yeah. So we're here uh, talking about the week's legal news again. The biggest, again. Yes. The biggest news, of course, uh, last time we were here, we were discussing the Rose Garden unveiling of Amy Coney Barrett. This week, we're talking a lot about her new nickname, I suppose, Amy COVID Barrett, uh, <laughs> because she, as it turns out, was the triggering the event, the epicenter of a outbreak of cases within the White House that now has more cases total than the country of New Zealand, I believe. Yes, I believe that's accurate. Um, yeah. So we were going to uh, go through a few things. So first, let, I guess, let's talk about the... I mean, there's, I think, currently 34 cases. Yeah. Um, at, at the last count that I was tracking anyway, it very much could have changed, I guess, today. And by the time this is released, certainly, almost likely yeah, to knows? have changed. But it is it is quite astonishing, not just that leaders got it and apparently spread it, which, given the attitude towards masks uh, generally and any sort of safety precautions amongst the Republicans is not entirely surprising, but there was a callousness that I personally was not prepared for about the disease that is frankly shocking. The president did a ride in a medically sealed limousine with a member of the Secret Service driving. Um, I assume that person is at the very least quarantined at the moment. And really the staff members who are you know nonpartisan, nonpolitical appointees, but just people who work in the orbit of powerful people has been quite astonishing. Yeah, it, I mean, from a legal perspective, it does seem a little, it seemed a little gratuitous. There was not really a reason to have this event. You know, we already knew who it was going to be, frankly. Uh, and this could have just been uh, passed along as an FYI. Uh, they didn't need to have everyone together. Yeah, I mean, or they could have just had it as a is a smaller event, right? They didn't have, yeah. I mean, that, that, well, the, video, that picture. That's, see, now that's not fair. There was a smaller event. There was a larger event, that event that we see pictures of outdoors in the Rose Garden. Mm -hmm. Then there was a following a smaller reception indoors where they all were without masks. Uh, I can only roll my eyes so hard. True, true. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it seemed problematic. Mm -hmm. uh, we've now got a... Uh, 
Yeah. And I mean, listen, you you wrote this article about Amy Covid Barrett, which is a fantastic nickname. Uh, Certainly better than the one that the GOP was trying to foist upon her. That's what I was trying to set up as the transition. But Mm -hmm. you kept, you know. You kept jumping in there and saying talking. more stuff. Well, you kept talking. Well, this is talking. literally yeah. a podcast. The point is to talk. I agree. I agree. So um, I can't just wait for you. Sometimes I got to make my own stuff happen, man. That's, that's true. Okay. So <laughs> you had written a piece about uh, there was an effort to yeah. as- assign a nickname. Yeah. The the um, the Republican senatorial committee made shirts and were selling them um, notorious ACB, mm. which is not okay for a couple of reasons. First of all, obviously, you can't just steal someone else's nickname and someone who's recently passed and who is beloved. You can't just be like, oh, here's another woman. Yeah. She also has her maiden name is, you know, she also goes by her maiden name and her married name. So it's basically the same. That is absolutely not okay. Um, also, the shirts themselves were particularly ugly. And also, weird punctuation. They had periods after the A and the C, but not the B. I, I don't. I don't know why that seems bizarre. I'm glad that your hang up, uh, that one of your biggest hang ups was grammatical, uh, or I, I guess not grammatical punctuation. I, it, it just come on, man. You can't even do that right. Come on, you can't even get it right. And and the whole point is that nicknames you don't just get to nicknames don't come from the top down, right? Nicknames come from the bottom up, right? The whole reason why Ruth Bader Ginsburg got the nickname Notorious RBG was. Uh, Something happened. A law student at NYU Law School came up with a Tumblr account naming her that after her descent in Shelby County. Yeah. And again, it was something she became, you know, noted for. It was not just, and you know, like we said in our podcast where we talked about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing, is that she was noted not just for her opinions, but also her dissents. That you know, those were powerful and and a, a source of strength for people as well. And that was really what the notorious RBG plus you know her and Biggie both grew up in Brooklyn. There were other parallels yeah. between between her and Biggie. So you know, it made much more sense than this kind of top down bullshit. Yeah, no, I think that's true. So. Thankfully, she wanted a nickname, and she has, you know, <laughs> well, circumstances have provided, uh, and she's now locked in. Uh, I first saw the Amy Covid Barrett moniker from the uh, always delightful, edgy meme uh, uh, law memes for law edgy. memes for edgy T14s on Facebook. That's where I saw it first. I started making it. I noticed it crop up in a few other people's tweets uh, last night mm-hmm. uh, as discussion was going. So I think we're. We're slowly herding that uh, yeah, I like that it. nickname into common parlance. Uh, I was all ready to go with Justice Karen, but we're—I uh, <laughs> guess—we've moved on, uh, and I—I I for one welcome it. So that's been the uh, the big court story of mm-hmm. the day, I suppose. I guess we should also take a quick second to talk about law firms. I—I I think it's fair to say that above the, at above the law, we have three kind of overarching kinds of stories. We have. Stories about our courts, stories about big law firms, and stories that touch on law school. And I think we can now have a more or less seamless transition into big law and the way in which the big law firms are now reacting as the economy gets a little bit better. Because, you know, when you're thinking about big law firms and the economy, you wonder 
how have law firms weathered previous economic downturns and come out stronger on the other side? LexisNexis Interaction has released an in-depth global research report confronting the 2020 downturn lessons learned during previous economic crises. Download your free copy at interaction.com slash like a lawyer to see tips, strategies, plans, and statistics from leaders who have been through this before and how they've achieved success again. So on that note, we had the bonus run where a bunch of yes. people get things. And then we had... There were special fall bonuses right. that were given out. Right, we uh, did, which we covered yeah, we last week. So, reminding people. I mean, fair enough, fair enough. I, I hear you. Uh, so we had those. Mm-hmm. Then we started to see some of the follow the leader happening where Cravath, who traditionally is a leader, came out and said they weren't going to get bonuses. And mm-hmm. we mused that this could be a make or break point where we start seeing people decide one way or the other. And it appears as though since Cravath has made their claim that they aren't going to give out bonuses, the pack has decided to follow them. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, since Cravath made their announcement, no one else has announced fall bonuses. So for the most part, and you know, the more time that ticks by, the closer we get to the end of the year bonuses, the less likely we are to see anything in the fall. And, you know, I think it's been kind of interesting to see uh, what the industry is doing. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal, Sarah Rintazzo wrote it, um, about the overall health of the big law industry. And guess what? Everything's up. Revenue's yeah. up. Profits are up. You know, income's up. Because not only, you know, every year big law firms raise their rates. They did it again in 2020. They had these higher rates. So compared, you know, over from this time last year, there's more income. There's also fewer expenses because, you know, most firms spent millions of dollars every year on travel expenses, which Mm -hmm. they did not have uh, again this year. So by and large, law firms are doing well. And they're not necessarily giving that money to the associates or even staff who, you know, are the ones who are earning it for them. Right. Well, and this brings to... A sore point for you, yeah. I know. Uh, so they are making all this money. They aren't handing it out. And one of the reasons that has trickled to us through tipsters is that the leadership of some of these firms mm-hmm. feel that it would be, it would look bad. It would be bad optics if they were to mm-hmm. give out big bonuses right yeah. now. I mean, Brad Karp said exactly that when they yeah. said, when Paul Weiss said that they were not going to give fall bonuses, he said it would not be appropriate at this time uh, to give COVID bonuses. And I mean, this just seems like a lot of bullshit to me. You know, whether or not it's appropriate, these firms have the money. It's not like they're not collecting. It's not like they're donating the money to people who are particularly hard hit by COVID. No, they're they're still getting the money. They still have more money than they did last year at this time. It's not like the money is somehow gone or, or they're not collecting it because of COVID. Most of these firms have the money. Most of these firms are doing better than they did even last year. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, the question... I understand uh, Brad's feeling, sure. uh, and you know it. It seems gauche to be collecting money when the economy is going down. But the problem is, the question is not bonuses or not charging an arm and a leg and getting rich. The mm-hmm. question is giving money to the associates and staff versus keeping the money as partners. Right. And when you say when you say <laughs> right. it that way, the gauche thing kind of looks like it might be right. more the, the latter. Sure. I think that's I think that's very, very true. Uh and 
you know, there's definitely the possibility. And I think a lot of firms have held out this this to their rather angry associate base yeah. uh, that they'll make them sort of whole and compared to the market by the end of the year and their end right. of the year bonuses so that there'll be sort of added money to that pot, which to which I say, you know, good. That's kind of the if you have the capability of giving these bonuses as a firm, I think that's obviously the bare minimum that you should be doing is giving them out at the, at the end of the year. But here's the other thing. As these firms are quick to note, times are tough for lots of people. They have no idea what their employees are going through, nor should they, right? There's people have personal lives, whatever, right? They don't know, you know, what their financial situation is. Yes, associates make plenty of money. No one's saying they don't, but you don't know whether or not someone is helping to support a family member who's out of work or some other kind of financial hardship that's gone on right now. And they could maybe use the money right now as opposed to in three to five months now, because some firms, right. even though they're end of the year, they don't give them, you actually don't get them until February or March even at some firms, depending, you know, kind of on on the uh, individual firms. But that's a big difference when you're talking about, that's almost half of a year, yeah. more than a quarter, you know? And, and so you're, you're saying, oh, it's better in, in the firm's accounts than it is in, in the associates. And I think that that is a very paternalistic way of viewing their employees. Yeah. I it, I mean, look, I, it's not great when you phrase it the way, and I, I totally understand the feeling, like mm-hmm. the impulse. Like I remember during the last major oh, once-in-a-lifetime economic crisis a few years ago, <laughs> uh, I remember during that there were banks who gave out bonuses, and it did look bad to have people talking about $100,000 bonuses when everything's going down the tubes. But the issue is you can't think of it as in that way. You've got to have the mindset being the money's there. Is it better in my pocket or in somebody else's? And and also these, but all these firms that have said, oh, we're not going to give out fall special bonuses have all oh, to a one said that we will give out end of the year bonuses. Right. And most have confirmed that those will be at least as large as last year's bonus pool. Right. At that so point. So you're still going to get this. The story's still out there. Such and such firm gives bonuses, big bonuses, big numbers at the end of the year. Who cares if it's at the end of the year, or if it's in the fall? Yeah, and as far as a framing issue, though, like frame it the same way we frame the stimulus checks that everybody got. Yeah. They, you know, like the firm is giving out a substan- you know, a fairly substantial payment to associates and staff to help them get by. I mean mm-hmm. that that's a that's a positive story. That's not right. some sort of a gauche statement. Yeah. Like, it w- and I certainly think that law school students who are thinking about where they want to work when they graduate are are looking at the about a dozen or so firms that have come out with the fall bonuses, and I think that they they see that that yeah. is a positive story. Yeah, for uh, for the best and the brightest, you want to be able to attract and maintain the the best and the brightest constantly in terms of your lateral market, in terms of your law school recruitment showing that you want to give extra money during the pandemic is a good thing. It shows that you, you know, you can say all these nice words about about wellness and about care, but having giving people the means to provide their own care is also very important. Yeah, it's it's going to be a very interesting annual bonus season mm-hmm. because we're going to have it seems as though we're all but guaranteed to have at least for a while some sort of two-tiered right. bonus system, uh, which we generally don't have in big law. Generally, everybody falls into one line. I think it was a couple of years ago, there was like about a $10,000 special bonus that some yeah. firms were giving on top of the yes, traditional- Yes, so there's always a few a few outliers who do, yeah. uh, you know, high earners get a little bit extra. And sure, different tracks sure, and, and that's all like still that. true. But, but we're looking at- uh, 
theoretically, we're looking at a situation where if some of these firms are true to their word, they're going to have bonuses that are forty grand more than the Davis Polk's bonuses, right? Because uh, they they're money. trying to right. you know make that up. And the question is, will that be how it plays? Well, and I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see. Well, here's what I think. I, and this gets a little bit in the weeds, but I think that even the sort of uh, we don't know what anybody will do for sure, but let's just assume it's Cravath, right? Because they probably will make their associates whole. Okay, so I think when the Cravath bonuses come out, I think that they will be uh, in that kind of uh, schedule that they they kind of circulate that's like, you know, the little column every class year. I think that there will be a second column that will be special bonuses in addition to your typical year end bonuses. And so there will be two numbers, I think, for the for the firms that need to make folks whole because they don't want next year in 20, you know, in 2021 to say, oh, our our end of the year bonuses are down over last year. Right. So unless they're planning on adding, you know, seventy five hundred to forty thousand dollars to their total every year year end bonuses, which I don't think is true, they will make sure to bifurcate them so that they have a clear number that's their year end number that they're gonna build off of or keep the same for next year and going forward, as well as these sort of special bonuses, which will not be included in the sort of the going forward number. Yeah. It it, it will be weird to see how this all plays out. That's how I think it that's yeah. I, I think, I, think that, I mean that's that a fair point. I Although, once again, uh, that just really underscores why it's smarter to give out the yeah. bonus now so that it's not counted as one of the, you know, but whatever. Right. Uh, it, it is it is a thing, uh, and I understand there's a lot of associates out there who are, you know, worried about it and stuff. Yeah, and I think uh, that uh, a lot of folks are, are rightly miffed, you know. Th- of course, there are sometimes always associates maybe who aren't as busy during this kind of craziness that's going on in the world, whether it's because of their practice group or because they have personal issues that are preventing them from billing at quite the rate that they would otherwise do or that they would like to bill at. Um, there are also practice groups that are incredibly busy. Right. Yeah. That are billing. And because of the sort of nature of working from home, there are people who the only thing they don't that the only time that they're not billing is when they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Because there's what's the difference between you know, there's no there's no home to get to, right? You're there's already no there. Commuting, there's no, no yeah. commute, right? So so there are folks that are are billing every moment that they're possibly can because they're so busy because the work is there because they're worried about the overall health of the of the firm as it relates to their job stability so they there's this added pressure you should be so grateful that you have a job right now so they're billing like crazy there's no kind of separation no personal time for themselves uh vacations overall are down people aren't taking vacations because where are we going what are we doing so people aren't you know kind of taking care of themselves and so to say thank you with money that's the only way big law really has to say thank you i I think it's completely appropriate yeah and unfortunately several associates out there are uh missing out on it if you work with contracts and don't use contract tools you're missing a lot See? Yeah, I yeah. see what you do yeah. there. Save time, make more money, and do a better job for your clients with Contract Tools by Paper Software. Contract Tools is the most powerful word add-in for working with contracts. Thousands of lawyers all over the world rely on Contract Tools every day for every kind of deal. Visit papersoftware.com to watch a demo and get a free trial. As a special offer to podcast listeners, use coupon code LTN2020 to get one month free. That's papersoftware.com and LTN2020. So there were some bar exams this week. <laughs> you look, you're so sad about this bar exam. and you've already I'm not, passed actually. It. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, yes. I, I, I have taken and passed a bar exam, and yet I felt more stress about this one right. than I think my own. Uh, this, 
Look, we've talked for months now on these shows about mm-hmm. the problems we've been dealing with uh, with these bar exams, but the way this week played out was just truly, it, it was not the biggest nightmare scenario, but it was real close. I, I mean, it's not good. No, nothing not working good. would have been the nightmare, true nightmare scenario. Uh, the problem is, is some things worked, uh, which made it more of a, a gray zone, but uh, unfortunately, it I mean, I spoke to someone who works in the the bar exam uh, world and was just horrified at some of the stories yeah. that they were hearing. Yeah. You know, constantly being like, have you seen this? Have you heard what's going on? And uh, yeah. it, it's all it's all it's every terrible story that you've heard about the bar exam. Maybe there's a lot of you listening who didn't take this year's bar exam, but you've heard they're all true. Yeah. This was the online exam, uh, which mm-hmm. which really is a. Uh, it was a exercise of pure incompetence and cruelty <laughs> and pettiness. Uh, it was there was no plan. This was the exams that were concocted basically to replace in-person exams during mm-hmm. a pandemic, which, frankly, we applauded. Uh, if you're going to have to have an exam, right. which you probably shouldn't, but if you have to have a bar exam, at least you don't try to kill people. I like. I like. Sure, that, that seems like a totally, that, totally not, not a hard bar to clear. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. uh, unfortunately, what happened was they just kind of moved forward with this without working out whether or not this will work to do the bar exam online. And as it turns out, there's more hurdles than one might have expected. The thing that gets me, and I know, I know you've written about this, mm-hmm. but you know, as I was kind of hearing the stories myself, was the refrain from the bar examiners uh, when if somebody had some sort of a technical problem, maybe they couldn't log in. Uh, maybe um, the the software wouldn't recognize their face, which is a very racist thing that we knew was going to happen and absolutely happened. But the refrain was try again in February. Yeah. Fuck you. Absolutely. That is not totally an okay answer. Entirely unacceptable. T- entirely unacceptable. And here's the other thing, which which I don't really think you had a chance to, to kind of get into, but this really messes up people's lives and, yeah. and careers, right? Some firms are saying you can't start until you've passed the exam, first of all, or, or taken the exam, but you haven't even taken it because you couldn't log in through no fault of your own. Yeah. What, what's going to happen to those folks who, you know, or, or maybe got, maybe took out loans in order to survive until the extended date because they were supposed to have started in October. They're supposed to right. start working in October, but now they can't work in October. They're taking the bar exam in October. Then they get, then they're, they're supposed to log in through no fault of their own. There doesn't work. They're told, oh, try again in February. What the hell are they supposed to do? Right. Uh, some firms aren't going to let them come back. Some will. And I and I make this plea to as many yeah. firms as possible. Please let the folks who are screwed by the technical incompetence of the bar exam start their jobs as soon as possible. But even if they but even if they, they work at a great firm who says, of course, that's not your fault. We feel the worst for you. Please come back. Do whatever you need to do. That still means they need to take time in February to right. take the exam. Right. You can't just depend on the studying that you did in, in September yeah, and restudy. October. You have to restudy in February. That's more time of the life that they have to take off from starting their career. They're nine months out from where they otherwise would have been if it wasn't for the pandemic. Yeah. And this this particular extension is because of pure incompetence and 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 hubris. That's the thing. They assume, well, it's going to be fine. Well, 98% of people were able to start the exam, which, by the way, does not mean they did not it have technical not problems. It's not the same number as finished, correct. And does not mean that they didn't have their own set of technical problems, yep. right? Yeah. And that's still hundreds of people yeah. who are screwed. Yes. So 
this started uh, as an attempt for an online exam. Uh, the process eventually reached as it got rolling. The NCBE initially refused to acknowledge these in their effort to make sure that they maintain a monopoly on in-person exams. Uh, they ultimately agreed to give them questions. Uh, their kind of cast-off questions uh, were given oh, to the- a whole separate this. problem. Yeah, where people which, are saying that the, the questions- mm -hmm. oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. You were going to say it. Oh, yeah. No. Um, yeah. So they- they did this. Uh, then we had uh, episodes uh, with Indiana and Nevada and Florida not being able to use the platform. Uh, those technical problems were based on a system that was trying to do live proctoring, basically like a Zoom window where mm -hmm. everybody could see. Uh, that didn't work. It crashed. And so that provider is out. Everybody instead is using ExamSoft. ExamSoft uses facial recognition technology to ensure and just flag people who do things that are suspicious for a later review. Uh, what causes you to be flagged is stuff like, you know, be black. being black, uh, as it turns out, which is something that was a known problem, an explicitly called out problem. Mm -hmm. Tales of it happening on exam day were met with technical support saying, we we have no idea why that would happen. We've never heard of such a thing. It's explicitly called out multiple times. Yeah. We had, uh, the, this software works where you can't get up or look away from the screen. We had a woman who uh, came forward explaining that she had to quit the and withdraw the exam and try again in February because she had her period in the middle of the exam and couldn't stay there, obviously. Uh, we heard a horrifying story of a guy who actually you know, couldn't get up. So urinated in the middle of the exam uh, and just had to kind of sit in it till he finished, which is what we normally would consider torture. Yeah. But here we just call it the bar exam. Uh, these are not skills that you need to have to be a lawyer. Uh, nope. These are not tests of minimum competency. And on the subject of testing, and this is where you were about to go off, these cast off questions from the NCBE at least according to the chatter on the subreddit, mm -hmm. including from people who've already taken bar exams in the past and are admitted lawyers who are, you know, Taking moving to new jurisdiction, jurisdictions yeah. and stuff like that. Everybody is kind of uniformly saying that the questions that the NCBE decided to give to this test that it didn't want to have happen. Surprise, surprise. If Terrible somebody questions. doesn't want it to happen, they give them the bad questions, uh, mm -hmm. it appears. So, mo so there's a higher percentage of those folks who then have to turn around and take it again in February. Right. Uh, so lots of out-of-left-field questions, apparently. Uh, and it's just been a terrible event and there's been nothing but a callous response mm -hmm. of people saying, oh, well, I get it mostly worked. Uh, technical support was largely unavailable to people. Uh, people were waiting, waiting for hours. Most most calls were in under an hour from what I've managed to cobble together. But before you think that's good news, a lot of them were like 45 minutes. Uh, and that, that time came out of their testing time. A lot. Mo most jurisdictions seem to be taking that directly out of the testing time, not giving people the opportunity to make that back up. Uh, one person actually prepared to withdraw from the exam because he'd spent a couple of hours trying to get it to work and knew that he wouldn't be able to finish. That thankfully had a happy ending. The head of the New York testing said, this is ridiculous. You, you, we'll just give you time. Uh, so that was that was good. But it. But took, there's plenty of people, I'm sure, who had similar a, problems who yeah. didn't happen to go public with it. And it took appealing to the top level yeah. to get any kind of dispensation there. Uh, this, right. is, this is... And again, that squeaky wheel... Yeah. This is why we have so many Karens in the world, because you don't get it. You don't get to finish the test unless you're the one out there making complaints. Yeah. Uh, it was it, it, just a disaster. Uh, this is 
the sort of thing that even though like a lot of us were trying and advocating that this not happen, uh, it has now happened. That said, we shouldn't lose our energy for it. We should continue to agitate to... Who knows what will happen in February? Yeah, uh, this is seems to be something that could come up again. Uh, the people that it's happened to probably shouldn't be subjected to what they, you know, the results of what they just went through. Uh, mm-hmm. There are better ways to regulate the profession. The profession does need to be regulated. There does need to be gateways to say that some people aren't qualified to pass. Those gateways need to be something that's actually meaningful and not Mm -hmm. a stupid test designed from the jump to fail 25% of the people so that they can justify their own existence. Mm -hmm. That is not a test of minimum competency. The driver's exam is not, you know, do some stuff and uh, if you happen and we'll draw lots and see if you fail. Like that's not how we test yeah. minimum competency in real things. Right. It's not and, how we should do it for putting, the law. Putting the gatekeeping function uh, before people take out loans, uh, hundreds of thousand dollars worth of loans is probably better. Right. Or, or, or have that be the gatekeeping function. I like, mm-hmm. I am, I am comfortable with the idea that we should be stricter on right, accrediting law schools. Yeah. And yeah, you, you'll, you'll have paid all that money, but you know that if you pay that money and you graduate, you are, like you're, you're going to be able, willing, to, practice. able to, be practice able to practice pending uh i think ethical uh sure sure gatekeeping has to happen yeah and and you know by the by the way was it i think it was indiana you had reported on um yeah. did the email or is doing the email ultimately yeah they ultimately what they did is they just emailed a bunch of essay questions out and said fill these out open book open whatever just just so you're make done. these answers just get it done get it done which is much more akin to what actually practicing and being right. a lawyer. And, and who would have thought that like the revenge of 1994 would have, <laughs> you know, with the email questions yeah. would actually be the right answer. Yeah. I thought it was funny when it happened, but you know what? Turned out they were right. Yeah. No. It, exams like that. Exams that say, you know, here's a legal problem. You have four hours to write us a memo. Like that is the sort of thing that right. actually tests what lawyers do. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is none of that. Uh, right. It is ridiculous that we have it that this is the way in which we gatekeep and after all that happened this week i just mm-hmm. hope that some people in positions of authority out there are looking at it and saying we need maybe to we should do, do something yeah. else yeah, i think they have to i yeah. feel like they really really have to this is not okay all right well cool so lively discussion we will be indeed we will be back again next week as per usual actually we won't uh, i will uh, right. you're mm-hmm. you're bailing on it not permanently, but no, you, no, you'll I'm, you'll be gone, and you know I have a doctor's appointment. It's okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, that's a HIPAA violation. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not uh, but I, if anybody's following that, <laughs> the the series of bad legal takes people are have about what HIPAA actually says uh, on Twitter are uh, enjoyable. Uh, but we'll have a show at least next week. So with that said, thank you all for listening. You should be subscribed to the show, giving it reviews, write something, put in some stars. Uh, that is all very helpful. You should be reading Above the Law. Uh, you should be following us on the Twitters. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One. That's the numeral one. You should be listening to the Jabot, which Catherine hosts, and the ATL COVID cast, which we uh, have, which is about unexpected ways in which the law is being changed by COVID, sort of. And with all that said, I'd like to say one more thank you to Contract Tools by Paper Software for sponsoring the show. And we will talk to you next week. Yep. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. 
You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.